Investment Podcast, brought to you by M&G. This podcast is for investment professionals only. The value of investments will fluctuate, which will cause prices to fall as well as rise, and investors may not get back the original amount they invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information and views expressed should not be taken as a recommendation, advice, or forecast. Hello and welcome to this instalment of the Investment Podcast, brought to you by M&G Investments. Across Europe, value-add investing has evolved over a time span of almost a decade and a half. And, to quite a large extent, this has been driven by a number of crises, economic, political and health. With markets at various stages of recovery, what's the current value-add landscape in Europe? And what are some of the best avenues to maximize the opportunity set? I'm your host, Romel Patel, and joining me to discuss all of this and much more are fund managers Paul Crosby and Andrew Amos, and Jose Pellicer, Head of Investment Strategy for Real Estate. Welcome to you all. Jose, I'll come to you first for a view of the landscape. Thank you. So the, the landscape actually is fairly favorable for value add at the moment, and it's fairly favorable for three key reasons. Number one, the pandemic, as we all know, has been particularly dire for sectors that rely a lot on people's concentration and travel. So retail, hospitality, restaurants, aviation, trains, etc., transport, etc. And a number of players in that sector have been distressed and a number of properties have underperformed big time. So there is value to be found in those sectors. The second point is that 2021 was a recovery year, but the recovery is not finished. Whilst I totally admit that this cycle is different to a normal cycle, businesses are beginning to make decisions, and this means that the right assets will probably experience growth, rental growth, which is the typical thing that happens after a recession, even though, as I said, this recession has been a little bit different because it was prompted by the pandemic. And then finally, it is the emphasis on ESG. There is a lot of work to be done in the European real estate landscape to improve the assets and to reduce energy consumption, water consumption, use recycled materials, reduce embodied carbon, um, develop sustainably, etc. I think there is an opportunity right now before sustainable refurbishment becomes standard to add some value in that aspect as well. And I think those three characteristics provide a very good landscape for value-add investment in the 2020s. That doesn't mean that there are no risks, but we can talk about risks later on in the podcast. So steady ground for unlocking value. Paul, which markets and sectors across real estate can these trends be tapped into and indeed maximised? Thanks, Rommel. And th- thanks, Jose, for providing the introduction, setting the scene. I think we've, we've got to begin with the basic premises that we're, we're relating these trends across the, the countries and the real estate markets, which are experiencing the most compelling demand and supply imbalance. It's worth highlighting that the supply of good quality real estate across core Europe, especially the gateway cities that we're targeting, is severely limited. A lot of the property in- inventory is quite tired or, or, or indeed obsolete. And this plays quite nicely into the recovery theme, because as lockdown restrictions lift, economies reopen, we will experience a bounce back in consumer spending, business expansion and growth. Now, for 
occupiers and investors, they're now much more discerning than they were pre-pandemic. They're much more focused on quality, for example. Office occupiers especially, they want quality grade A accommodation with enhanced levels of amenities, the ESG credentials that Jose has highlighted. So the opportunity here is for us to upgrade fundamentally well-located office assets, which are simply tired or dated. And I believe that prime urban vibrant locations will attract employees back. The role for us really is to identify those undersupplied markets, apply our capex and asset management skill set to enhance that accommodation. Secondly, just picking up on the relative value point, the dislocation in pricing because of this heightened level of uncertainty is creating a disparity in pricing between what is considered core and non-core. So the sectors that have obviously mostly affected by the pandemic were retail, leisure and hospitality. So retail is an obvious example. It faces physical stores, clearly face challenges from the structural trends that have accelerated over the past two years. But in most parts, they are good businesses that were just forced to close their doors to customers. And I think, for example, convenience retail in town or edge of conurbation, especially with a home-centric tenant lineup such as DIY, food or furniture, should perform strongly over the near term. Demand has been resilient. The supply levels are constrained and a lot of that older, poorer quality stock will be converted to logistics. Thanks, Paul. Andrew, could you tell us more about the distressed environment and some of the sectors where opportunities are being found? Well, the the distressed environment is very, very interesting at present. Really deep distress has been prevented by the various government support programs and central bank intervention, keeping rates low. But assets have still ended up in the wrong hands. High quality assets are now being managed by the workout teams in banks. Uh, They're held for sale by receivers or administrators. And there are many developers who have high quality assets, but, but simply don't have the capital to develop them. This leads to high quality assets being in very complex situations. And these complex situations often take many, many years to resolve. So we see a flow of interesting opportunities um, in consequence. Following the European crisis, we saw these types of opportunities. We saw banks working through assets for a number of years, taking a long time to work through assets in in countries like uh, Germany and, and Spain but also seeing opportunities, really compelling opportunities in Ireland and in the UK. And a really good example of high quality assets being in a complex situation following the European crisis uh, was some investments that we made in in Spanish residential plots. As an example, we found a situation where there were eight high quality plots, well-located, zoned for residential development, but the eight plots had eight different borrowers and the loans were, were owned by the bad bank in Spain, uh, by Sarab, and the eight plots were cross-collateralized because of various joint ventures. So a very, very complex situation, but underlying it, very high quality residential plots. We had the opportunity to secure those residential plots if we could do eight separate deals with the eight separate borrowers. We did that. We then secured a, a development partner, a local partner, and we've developed out those residential plots and driven really compelling returns from, from, from that situation. And again, following the pandemic, we're seeing similar, similar opportunities 
where high quality assets are, are stuck in complex situations. So skillfully navigating high quality assets out of difficult situations is no mean feat. What's the recipe for succeeding in a distressed world? Well, to succeed, you really need to be willing and able to take on this kind of complexity that we've been talking about. Uh, and that requires you to have a specialist resource. So you, so you must have deep real estate expertise right across Europe. You have to have people on the ground in, in, in all the local jurisdictions with expertise of, of doing real estate deals in that jurisdiction. But you also need to have specialist restructuring skills to navigate the complexity of the particular situation. If you have this combined specialist resource of, of real estate skills and restructuring skills, this leads to the ability to source opportunities from specialist relationships, from relationships with workout teams in banks, from receivers and administrators, and relationships with developers who have starved of capital. We then use those specialist skills to solve the complexity of the situation and unlock value. Now, a really good example of this that we've seen post-pandemic is an opportunity that has arisen for us to work with a Scandinavian hotel group. This hotel group has assets in prime locations, uh, but the group needs to be reorganized. You know, post-pandemic, some of these sites will continue to function very well as hotels, but others of them need to be converted to, to alternative uses. And in this case, you know, conversion to student accommodation is going to drive a lot of value out of those out of those sites. But the situation needs capital and it needs very specialist skills to unlock the value. So we've been working with a, a local partner to secure the situation and drive compelling um, returns out of the out of the opportunity. Precisely, Andrew, the choice of trusted operating partners is a critical element of success. Value-add investing is about choosing the right partners and combining local on-the-ground expertise with deep in-house sector knowledge. And that will ensure both the unlocking of investment opportunities and, importantly, the execution of business plans. Thanks, Paul. And before we sign off, Jose, what are some of the key risks at present and how can they be effectively managed? Well, Romil, this is a very topical question. Um, Today is the 2nd of March, 2022, um, and at the time of recording, there is a quite serious uh, conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and who knows how long is it going to be and what the economic and financial implications are going to be. So, I mean, that is an obvious risk, and at this point, we don't know how this is going to pan out. But other risks that are better known are inflation. Is inflation going to be really high? And is it going to be persistent? And does that mean that interest rates are under upward pressure? I believe that most of the drivers of inflation are temporary. And when I say temporary, I mean 18 to 24 months temporary. But I might be wrong. And finally, the other risk is that we've talked about recovery. But might the recovery be slow? Is the recovery going to be slow? There is a lot of debt in the system. Business expansion is happening, but it might happen more slowly than we are expecting at the moment. So there are a number of risks, but hey, this is value-add investment. Value-add is about managing those risks. So it is important that 
from a bottom-up perspective, we choose the right assets and the right situations to manage those risks appropriately. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode of the Investment Podcast. Thank you to Paul Crosby, Andrew Amos, and Jose Pelliser for sharing their expert insights, and to you, our audience, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Goodbye for now. This podcast is for investment professionals only. For further information, please view the notes which accompany this episode.